Behind every company, there's a time-tested engine keeping it moving. By earning your accounting degree online from Grand Canyon University, you can advance your career by identifying business efficiencies and building business models. Become a core team member by keeping business on budget and on track to success. What do you think accounting careers look like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hello there, and welcome to Redline, a millennial tale of passionate love and the combative workplace set in Boston. In this first episode, you'll meet 29-year-old Pia Lamonte, who arrives in Boston for her first teaching job at the Haskell School, located in a sleepy suburb. But Pia's dream is to make her way to the cultural hub and live near its coveted red line. So hop on board for Pia's tale. We guarantee a ride full of laughter and surprises. The next red line train to Alewife is now arriving. The day I arrived in Boston, a local guy in a Toyota yelled out his window at me. Go back where you came from, asshole! I was driving too slowly for him, and he saw my out-of-state Maryland plates. I was looking this way and that, feeling the joy of being back in Boston, where I had studied painting at MassArts seven years before. It had been my dream to return and settle in Boston, preferably next to the Red Line, the city's best subway that ran from Cambridge to Dorchester. Then, out of the blue, long after jobs had been locked up for the coming year, the Haskell School had phoned me with an offer. And now I was back in Boston. Or Wessex. But Wessex was close enough. And it was one of those beautiful suburbs with mansion after mansion, surrounded by graceful grounds, stone walls, and woods. All those winding, romantic roads through greenery and old houses made me think of New England's illustrious past. The school was the last outpost on a long private lane. The grounds were gently hilly, but the main building, once the Haskell home, sat on a plateau with a central quad surrounded by newer buildings. With awe, I stared through the windshield at the fairy book realm before me, its ancient trees rustling in the late summer breeze. Nature was Haskell's music, and I knew at once creativity brewed there. I parked in the visitor's lot and made my way to the mansion. My mind, imagining the Haskell sisters, Alice and Jane, back in the Victorian era, standing under the front portico in their muslin dresses, gray buns at their necks, and facial features stern, but at the same time, ready to engage with their pupils. The sisters had founded the school and were descendants of Boston's transcendentalists. They had devoted their lives to a progressive mission, which in the beginning was to educate girls. Their ideals had survived to the present day, despite the school's changes and its near extinction in the 1960s. As I entered its seat of enlightened education, I felt a thrill to be part of its history. Good morning, a grandmotherly woman greeted me with a warm smile from her desk in the front hall. Hi, I'm Pia Lomonte, the new art teacher. Indeed you are. I recognized you from your picture. Welcome to Haskell, Pia. We're so excited to have you on board. I loved your portfolio. My, oh my. We are so lucky. Let me buzz Lori to let her know you're here. Both of us could hear Lori's loud voice answer through the phone's receiver. Tell her to wait. I'll be a few minutes. I took a seat on an old oak bench, probably a remnant from the Haskell sisters' day. My eyes roved the wall of student artwork. Soon my own students' work would be hanging there. And that felt good. 
I had a place, a role. My previous job right out of grad school had been temporary at my old prep school in Baltimore. I'll also let Ho know you're here, Anita said. He'll want to show you around once you're done with Lori. Great. He's been sending me pictures, but I can't wait to see the real thing. It's beautiful here. Ho, P is here, Anita said into the phone. Yes, 20 minutes should do it. Give me a call or just come by. Ho Min headed the art department and had interviewed me by phone in August. I had assumed my application of months before had been thrown in the rejection pile. Once hired, Ho and I had emailed a bit, getting to know each other. The phone rang. There you go, Anita said, waving her arm at Lori's door. Politely, I knocked and went in. Lori Schlusser, the school's dean, stepped from behind her desk to greet me with a handshake. Though her lips wore a smile, she didn't meet my eyes from behind her fashionable glasses. Welcome to Haskell, Pia. I'm sorry you won't get to meet Dale today. He's in Dubai. He'll be back next week. It looks like we're getting a last-minute student from the Emirates. Dale's meeting the family. Dale Higgins was Haskell's director, and I had seen his white-bearded photograph on the school's website. I had also Googled him and seen dozens of articles by him on his educational theories. He was an aloof scholarly type and a leader in progressive education. One review had called his work visionary. Have a seat, Lori said, pointing to a round table near her desk as she went back to get her orthopedic chair, which she rolled over to join me. I hope your trip was uneventful. That's a long drive from Baltimore. It was fine. I was looking forward to my destination. She sat down and passed me a blue folder embossed with the school emblem. This is your paperwork, she said. Please fill it out as soon as you can. I took the folder while eyeing her. I guessed she was fifty-ish and obviously took interest in her appearance. Her head was a perfect orb, mainly because her jet-black hair and ball-shaped haircut stayed glued in place, a single white streak dropping over her forehead like an accent. She wore pancake makeup, other makeup, and expensive clothes, lizard leggings, a tailored top, and sandals that strapped around her ankles. She had a middle-aged figure, a chunky artisanal necklace hung from her neck, and her fingers on both hands bulged with rings. Her effect suggested money, something that instantly separated her from me, if her personality wasn't enough to do that, as I soon found out. As she flipped through the manila folder that contained my resume and portfolio, she spoke as if delivering a lecture. The qualifications for the position seem just right for Haskell. The teacher before you was only here for a year. Haskell wasn't the right fit. I mean, Elizabeth was nice and obviously came with top credentials, but her personal time became a problem. We agreed she needed a more flexible job. As you know, Pia, from our website and your phone interviews, Haskell's mission is all about excellence. We're the only school that truly opens students to their creativity and individuality. That's the teacher's role, to guide the process, be the catalyst. We don't lecture, we don't dictate, we question and explore. And 95% of our students go on to become outstanding professionals, whether in physics or dance. I can't tell you how honored I am to be here to be part of this school. How about you, Lori? How long have you been here? I asked in my friendliest way, giving her every benefit of the doubt, as I knew first impressions could be wrong. Two years. I managed a project at Harvard before here, but 
Like I was saying, Pia, we've produced poets, composers, architects, environmentalists, and hardcore academics. Of course, many of them come from well-educated families. I think half of the parents are Harvard professors. But in the last decade, we've gotten much more diverse. We have a dozen foreign students now, including an 11th grader from China, Mei Wu. You'll meet her next week. Her father's a billionaire and recently got U.S. citizenship. He's a Harvard and business school grad, so Boston's really a home for him. Unfortunately, he lost his wife a year ago. Brain cancer. Anyhow, Haskell's a, a pretty integrated community. I'm so... We had two other candidates for your position, but the first decided he didn't want to relocate from San Francisco, and the other decided to stay where she was for family reasons. Luckily, we still had your application lying around. Very lucky, I said, ironically. Not that Ho didn't comment on your materials in particular. You were his first choice, but we have a committee, which I head, and other factors weighed in. But we don't have to go into that. We're glad you're here. That reminds me, she said, looking up from the papers and into my eyes for the first time. I started at the sight of her bulbous turquoise eyes, magnified by her glasses. Fish eyes. As if reading my thoughts, she took off the glasses, and I confronted ghastly pouches that greatly aged her. Once again realizing the train of my thought, she hastily put the glasses back on, hiding her decay. Then she leaned back in her orthopedic chair and droned on at me. Something came up since we hired you. Your job now includes coaching the girls' basketball team. Of course, we all know Haskell isn't a competitive sports school, but now that I've been here a couple of years, I see how important it is to strengthen our standing in the private school leagues. We need to be excellent in everything. At least, our effort has to be excellent. But I'm not a basketball player. She twisted to reach for her desk, but it was too far away, and the stretch wrenched her back. Oh, um, I have a chronic back issue. I, I see the PT today, later. She got up, rubbing her back, and took two books from her desk, which she put down in front of me. The covers were about coaching girls basketball. I stared, disbelieving. Luckily, you're tall, and surely you played basketball in that famous high school you went to in Baltimore. I did, but I'm not an athlete. I jog, I, I do Pilates, but that's it. And honestly, I, I don't see how I could take this on with my other commitments here. Time is, well, there really isn't any question about whether you can or can't, because coaching the team comes with your job. She smiled like a master pleased to be enforcing her will over a minion. We've updated your contract to include basketball, the contract's in that folder you're taking home with you. You don't need to have anxiety about it, Pia. Just read the books and do the best you can. Practices every day beginning mid-November and runs through the winter term. Anger and powerlessness churned in me, but I was in no position to argue. I was starting my dream job, and I wanted it to be permanent. Don't most schools have coaches? I asked. Yes, and we have a P.E. department. You'll meet Jean-Pierre. He's the head. We call him J.P. He's French, married to our French teacher, Louise. She's American. J.P. teaches soccer and tennis. We also have co-ed, cross-country, and basketball. But the girls' coach, it it was a part-time position, quit suddenly a few days ago, so we were stuck.
Why did she quit? Shanice had something personal come up. Just as well. We want a certain drive and manner in our staff. I sat silent, stunned, not sure if I had heard right. If this little experiment works out, I'd like to combine the two positions permanently. Lots of small private schools like ours do the same thing. Will the extra duties affect my salary? No, unfortunately, your salary will be the same. But I'll be doing my position in addition to Shanice's that came with a separate salary. Part-time, very part-time. Nominal. I have to say, I need to think about it. Like I said, Pia, we are small and private. All the teachers pitch in. It's about attitude. She looked at her watch. I have a meeting right now. Please fill out those papers and get them back to Ken or Melissa in the budget office as soon as you can. They're down in the basement. When can you do that by? Can you do that today? She picked up her pen and poised it to write on her pad. I stared at her pasty, slab-like cheeks that pulsed like an animal restraining itself from pouncing. Strangely, her lips kept their cemented smile. I thought that if she had been a genuinely friendly person, I might have found her pretty. But no, her face had missed the mark. My nod was curt as I got up, wondering where I could go to complain. <laughs> Nowhere. I couldn't start a lawsuit over the contract I had already signed. I didn't have money, and I would be out of the job by starting a suit. I was stuck with girls' basketball in addition to my full-time art curriculum. Ugh, what about my dreams of painting and getting into galleries? This was not fair. I was a person with a life. My job wasn't supposed to be 24-7 and unpaid for a chunk of it. Don't forget the books. I hoped my reluctant way of taking them let her know I was still resistant to the extra duty. We all work in a spirit of positivism at Haskell, she said in that grating voice that was accompanied by her false smile. It's a fit for some and not a fit for others. Oh, and is your name spelled with a capital M in the middle? Yes, Lamonti, capital M. It used to be two words, but immigration changed it. Southern Italian, I gather. Sicilian, I answered coolly, knowing Southern and Sicilian were all the same to her, lower-class Italian. I left her office as if on a fast trajectory to the bathroom to throw up. Ho was in the hallway talking to Anita. He smiled brightly at me and put out his hand, which I shook, my insides trembling. Ho was a youthful 40 and a former refugee from Vietnam. During our recent emails, he had told me a bit about his family's flight from Saigon when he was a baby, much too young to remember the ordeal. He had been teaching at Haskell for 15 years. When Massachusetts recognized same-sex marriage, he and his partner Jim had gotten married. Hey, Pia, welcome aboard. Glad to meet you in person. Are you all set with Lori? Come on. I'll show you the studio. We left the building and took a gravel path to a rustic two-room shack with woods behind it. My new domain, off the quad, secluded and rustic. Looking around the space, I knew I could easily forget about Lori and make the place my home, with its paint-stained wood and familiar smell of turpentine. The upstairs was mine for drawing, painting, printmaking, and the downstairs, down rickety wooden stairs, was Ho's ceramic realm. Are you okay, Pia? Yeah, but it's just that Lori... <sighs> I couldn't find my words to finish. 
partly because I was new and didn't want to complain. Yeah, Ho answered sympathetically and patted my upper arm. His gesture was all it took to unleash me, and with tears in my voice, I told him everything that had just happened. Yes, I know, we all know. Lori's new, and we've had to get used to her. But I don't have time to coach basketball. I want to give everything to what I'm trained to teach. I'm with you there, but I don't know what you can do. I know there's nothing I can do. She's the dean, and she's let us know that. There's no one else to complain to. Dale doesn't get involved in personnel matters, and the board supports her. She's Nat Haskell's daughter-in-law. What? Haskell? Are there still Haskells? Yep, they own the school, the property. Nat heads the board, and he's 90, with some mental lapses. Lori is married to his son, Ambrose. Ambrose? What? What kind of name is that? Blue blood. Gotta let people know. <laughs> Does Ambrose work here too? Nope. He's a realtor in Cambridge. That's where they live. Shit, what am I gonna do? He shook his head. I think you have to coach. Maybe during the year you'll see a way out. I doubt it. They're saving 20 grand. You're probably right. But it's wrong. There's lots wrong that we're powerless to change. But it bugs me. <laughs> You're not the first. But be careful. Standing up to Lori's the kiss of death. My advice is enjoy what you love and accept the rest. Make this studio your sanctum. <sighs> I will, but, but if we accept injustices because we're intimidated, it's like living under a dictatorship. And Haskell stands for enlightenment and freedom. At least in words. I knew the new scenario would be hard for me. I didn't like starting my brand new job feeling angry and righteous. I had come to Haskell only an hour before, bursting with enthusiasm. And now an enormous obstacle had been thrown in my path. It felt as if Lori secretly relished setting up an antagonistic relationship with me. I carried on. And for the rest of the teacher's prep week, I wrote down plans for my classes and made sure I had all the materials I would need for the first projects. In the evenings, I set up my new apartment. I had rented it long distance from Craigslist, knowing it would be temporary until my paintings began to sell and I could afford Boston. For the time being, the one-bedroom apartment on Main Street would do. It had large open space with lots of windows on three sides, the back windows facing a long meadow bordered by woods. It took me only a day to discover an old path running through the trees to Haskell's lower playing fields. That became my route to work when I didn't have to drive. Across the street from my apartment was a Starbucks, and farther down the street in an old New England factory that had been converted into trendy shops was another Starbucks. But not being a Starbucks fan, I quickly found an independent coffee shop a few blocks away called Bobolis, and that's where I stopped each morning for cappuccino. Ironically, it was an urgent bathroom stop at Starbucks on my first Sunday morning in Wessex that changed the course of my new life before it had actually begun. Thanks for listening to Redline, and come back soon for episode two, where Pia meets swashbuckling Rod at Starbucks and the two undergo instant attraction. Redline is written by G.D. Spillsbury and narrated by Anna Gravel, directed and produced by Fred Greenhalge with assistant producer Grace Waldron. Redline is dedicated to Jim Cantor and Brooke Lambert. If you've enjoyed this Redline story, please tell your friends about us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews allows us to get more listeners, like yourself, 
so we can keep bringing you good stories. Learn more about Redline at redlinepodcast.com. That's redlinepodcast.com. <laughs>